What a wonderful day to be alive in the presence of God. Thank you, Vinny and Des, for that awesome worship set that you just gave us. This is so exciting during this time to see everybody's gifts and talents come out. And we're also thankful for the wider body of SUM that's able to join with us live, even as we're here right now with our students live. So normally we are in chapel at the church, and then we broadcast it live to everybody else. But right now, I'm live for everybody in our cohort and live for the whole world. So share if you care. The post is up right now. I want to continue in the series that the Lord put on my heart for this year as I come to preach in the chapel. As uh, some may not know, we have multiple speakers come throughout the chapel times to speak to our students. And so I want to uh, honor what the Lord gave me as my uh, series when I come and speak in the chapel. So I want to stick with the series of honor. And I am hearing right now from Sister um, Jocelyn and Crystal that Lord willing, I'll be preaching to the wider body of SUM students on Thursday. And so I think I'll stick with what I've been doing on Sundays with preaching towards the topic of what's at hand. I'll do that there as often as they give me the chance to do that. I'll be addressing the issues of our time, worldview issues, uh, gospel issues, and so on and so forth. That's going to be fun and exciting. I see some of you here in the Zoom getting excited about that. Uh, by the way, those of you who are joining us and you're not an SUM student, either one of our students shared this post or you're on my post, feel free to post prayer requests or questions below. But uh, we are part of a Bible college, SUM, School of Urban Missions. It's a theological seminary. It's providing bachelor degrees and master's degrees that are fully accredited in the studies of the Bible. They have a lot of different minors, but it's primarily a Bible education. And uh, we're, we're honored to host in our church here in Chicago a cohort, as they call it. And we have close to about 20 students, most of them full-time giving their life to the Lord. And we've been doing it from the very beginning, by God's grace, since they went to this live method. And they were ahead of the curve years and years ago. I think the, the cohort model online learning started in 2008, and they've been uh, cutting edge ever since. So let us go to our Bibles right now. Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter 28 and verse 39. I want to talk to you today about honoring one another. You can find my notes on the website or our app, mpichurch.org or Metro Praise International on Apple or Google. Get the app. And you can follow along, and if somebody would like to post it right now, just my notes posted underneath this feed on the SUM post, that would be awesome if uh, some folks want to get it right there. And you can go back and listen to all the other messages that we've talked about, honoring God, honoring authority, honoring the church, honoring family. Well, today we're going to be talking about honoring one another. And just as a review, the word honor means to value and to respect. So we want to learn how to value and respect each other. As we have been honored by God, we want to value and honor each other. And part of the problem with our world today, as I've addressed in other uh, messages on honor, is that our world today has a culture of dishonor. Our culture doesn't honor their parents, for the most part, doesn't honor their elders, doesn't honor those in authority, doesn't honor experts or those who have degrees. Uh, our generation has thrown away the gift of honor. And really, honor is a gift we give others. And so because we're not, as a generation and as a culture, giving this gift of honor towards others, we're not able to receive from them the things that they have to give us. So write this down. It's a nice uh, thing to remember in life. You cannot receive from someone you do not honor. You cannot receive from someone you do not honor. You have to honor to receive from people. So honor is a gateway of receiving the good things that people have. If I don't honor, say, Michael Jordan, then Michael Jordan will not be able to teach me how to play basketball. I can't receive from him his instruction. If I don't honor... My wife, I cannot receive from her her love and her, um, you know, her friendship in my life. 
If I, if I don't honor you as students, I cannot receive from you your friendship and your uh, ability to be a co-worker or a co-laborer. And so dishonor comes with a price. Not only is it wrong and sinful, and oftentimes that should be enough for us to not do something, but sadly, uh, people are pragmatic in this generation, and they always want to see how does this work? Does it work in my benefit? Well, we should do things uh, that God has commanded us to do, whether or not we have a temporary benefit from them or not. God commands us to honor, as we'll see in these scriptures, and we should honor. But pragmatically speaking, those who honor the most are themselves honored the most. There's another thing to remember. It is pragmatically true that what you don't honor, you cannot receive from. And those who honor the most are themselves honored the most. Just think about those in your life who you see have an honorable spirit. They're, they're always honoring people. They go to the restaurant, and maybe they're my age, but a young server comes to them, and they talk to the server with respect and honor. They, they, they call them sir. You know, They say, uh, are you ready to order? And they may respond back, no, sir, we're not ready. You see, you look at those kind of people in your life, notice that those kind of people also receive honor everywhere they go. Why? Because what they're sowing, they are reaping. I can testify to this in all the great lives of the people that I've met, all the great people in the lives that I've met, they have, who have had the most amount of honor, they have given the most of, amount of honor. They're honorable people. And so this is very important for us as ministers and you as future ministers, even though technically, obviously, you're ministering now, praise God, uh, but as future ordained minister and leaders, it's important that you uh, get into the cycle of honor. Honor will open up doors for you to receive from people. So be always honoring so you can receive people's gifts. And then as you honor, you will be able to call upon others to honor you, not out of a forceful demand, honor me because I'm your pastor, youth pastor, children's pastor, whatever position you're in. No, but you'll be able to call upon people to honor you because you have been sowing that seed and you can say like Paul does, follow me as I follow Christ. Trust me in this. Honor me in my position in this as I have honored other leaders and other teachers and instructors in my life. Now, some people just want to say, well, I just honor God. I don't need to honor and follow and listen and uh, be instructed by others. But that's opposite of the Bible. First of all, the Bible is coming from people that you have to honor to receive from. Come on, can I get a little Pentecostal way from the Zoom room? Wouldn't that just be a, a contradiction if someone was to say, I only honor God, I don't worry about the church or people, I don't need any of that, while they're reading the Bible? Well, where do you think this came from? This came from the church. This came from the congregation of God's people. And so for you to even be a Christian, you have to honor the testimonies of the apostles. You have to honor them to believe that they saw what they said they saw, that, they, uh, that their claims are trustworthy. And then, of course, people might say, well, what about those who let us down and make mistakes? We're going to get into that today, but just because you're honoring someone, it doesn't mean that uh, you overlook their mistake in the sense of you pretend everything they do is perfect. No, honoring somebody is being uh, honest with maybe your disagreements or conflict that you may have with them. And at the same time, if what they have done wrong hasn't violated rules, as we'll get to in a little bit as the scripture talks about rules of fellowship and how to handle conflict. And if, if they're not violating those rules and they're willing to handle the conflict, there, there can be a friendship, a relationship, even with those you disagree with who have maybe hurt you. In other words, if you're going to draw a line in the sand and say, I will not receive or honor those who are ever wrong, make mistakes, or hurt me, you're going to be on a lonely road by yourself. Hey, you won't even be able to listen to yourself because how many times have you hurt yourself? Let yourself down. So if you say to me, Joe, I, I can't honor you, uh, or rather, I'll only honor you, Joe, to the point where if you make a mistake, then I'm going to dishonor you. Or, Joe, I'm only going to honor you to the point where if you don't hurt me, uh, you know, then I'm out. Because I can't honor if you hurt me. I can't honor if you've 
made a mistake. You'll be alone. You'll be alone in life. So honor doesn't mean on one hand we overlook people's mistakes. No, bring up my mistakes. Bring up your hurt feelings or the things that you disagree with with people you're honoring. That's part of relationship. But on the other hand, we don't cut off relationship just because the people we're honoring or loving have hurt us or let us down or made a mistake. Because remember one day, especially those here speaking to the Bible college students, one day you are going to be in a position of honor and you're going to want people to love and follow you and respect you and trust you. And you will make mistakes. You will hurt people, of course, not intentionally, but you'll want to maintain that relationship with them. Okay, honor means to value and respect. Let's learn how to do it with others. Start in Exodus 28, 39 through 41. This is about honoring the priests and how Moses was to instruct what the people were to do for them and how to treat them. It says, weave the tunic of fine linen and make the turban of fine linen. The sashes to be the work of an embroiderer. Make tunics, sashes, and caps for Aaron's sons to give them dignity and honor. After you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons, anoint and ordain them. Consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. There was a special group of people in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, under the old way of doing things, that were to dress a certain way, that were to be honored a certain way, so that they could do things on behalf of the congregation, on behalf of the church. And you got to remember assembly, church, congregation, all the same word. So there was church in the Old Testament. It was the congregation of God's people. So these priests served as the leaders of God's people, and they were to be honored from the clothes that they wore to how they were ordained and anointed, as I like to say, anointed and appointed, how the Spirit of God was brought upon them, symbolized by the oil and ordained by the laying on of hands by the elders and sent forth to do this, consecrated for this task, so that they could what? They could serve. So they were to be honored so that they could serve honorably. This is really the whole entire message in a nutshell when it comes to honor. We are honored by God. We are given these privileges and people around us are supposed to recognize us. As the old saying goes, uh, some were sent and some just took the microphone and went. Uh, you don't want to just take the microphone and go. You want to be sent. Somebody say sent. Thank you. So uh, we are honored first by God. And that's recognized by the people around us. And then we are consecrated, set apart to serve others honorably. Now Proverbs 31, verse 31 says, Honor her, talking about the Proverbs 31 woman, for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So not only are there these high-level positions of priests and leaders that we see in the scriptures that are to be honored, but also women who work hard and serve and do the right things are to be honored. And we could be here all day, but I just wanted to, uh, from the Old Testament, I could show you a lot more scriptures of honor. But I just wanted to give you two major examples. Honoring the priest to the stay-at-home mom or the housewife. I mean, and everybody in between. I, I just want to let you know from the Old Testament foundation Honor has always been a part of the ministry. Honor's always been a part of the family, a part of the life. Honor your father and mother. You know, I could be here all the day. I just want to give you an example that honor's been a foundation. Now let's go to the New Testament. The New Testament is where we draw our covenant from, our uh, rules and regulations. It says in Romans chapter uh, 12, 9 through 10, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. So here we see this broad call to just honor everybody, just be in a place where you're honoring even above yourself. And so that means that you're a servant of all. And we've heard that before as Jesus has taught us. Uh, moving on to Romans 13, 6 through 7. This can also be very applicable to our time. Paul says, this is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let me just summarize what we've already read. Old Testament, priests, stay-at-home moms who also had side gigs we honor. Going into the New Testament, we honor everybody. Now in Romans at the end there, it says even especially the government, the leaders, they're dikanos, they're servants. 
Just like the, the word there for, for, for us, when we say in our church, you know, as the biblical position there is for deacon, we are, we are to look at them as God's servants. Now, once again, does that mean everything, uh, you know, uh, Governor Pritzer does is, is, uh, is biblical? No. Uh, and the word there is not dikanos, it's liturgios, and it means a public servant. So uh, please forgive me for saying that it's the same word. I wanted to correct myself there. But, but in Romans, when it says uh, they carry the sword, let me go there. I do believe that that word is dikanos. Let me just check here on the fly for my Bible college students. I want to give that to you. That's going to be in, yeah, Romans chapter 8, same author, Romans 8, 35. Oh, no, no, Romans 13, 4, rather, Romans 13, 4. Romans 13, 4, let's see what the Greek word is there. For he is God's servant, the one who carries the swords, dikanos, diakonos, better pronunciation. So I was correct to say that they are called deacons, but not in the uh, context of Romans 13, 6 through 7. It's actually in the verse uh, prior, Romans 13, 4. So going on with my point, we're, we're kind of summarizing here the way the Bible looks at, at honoring. Honor the leaders in the church. Honor uh, even the, the women who work from home. Honor everyone, even above yourself. Honor governments as much as you can. They may not be righteous in all that they do, but pay taxes. Uh, give to them your respect and your honor. And of course, uh, where that ends is where they violate our freedom of, of religion but take, for example, right now, some churches are being very sassy against the leadership and still wanting to gather. Well, that's going to be upon them if their people get sick when there was no reason for that. Now, if God uh, told them to do that, let that be between them and their master. But I don't take it as a violation of my freedom of religion. The government simply saying, please don't gather together because you can cause issues. Uh, just for an example, you can look it up. One church in the Chicagoland area in Glenview met on the same Sunday we did. That was before the lockdown was given that Sunday night by Trump uh, two, two weeks ago. Out of that congregation of 80, 43 got the COVID, including the pastor and his wife. And so it's only but wisdom to avoid that kind of contact right now when you don't have to. Okay, let me give you just a few more on honor. Look at your neighbor or chat. This is just the introduction. Just kind of giving you a broad overview of the Bible and honor. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Talking about the body of Christ. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And so here we get another understanding of, of how we're supposed to look at honor that when you are unified with a group of people, when that individual is unified with that group, they receive the same honor when an individual in that group gets if they didn't do the work. Why? Because they're a part of that group. So if I'm a part of Metro Praise Inter International as an individual, and then Juan Riasco does something amazing over here at, at Nini's Deli, he's representing our church. I get honored by his honor. And it's the same thing when Jack Kay does her work for the Lord and serves God and gets honored on her job. Though we're not there as a corporate body, Metro Praise International, but when she's honored for being the, the good worker that she is, that's an honor to the body of Christ. And likewise, if one of you suffers dishonor, we all suffer dishonor. That's why in our church we always say we never uh, fight alone on Facebook. Once we see one of our posts getting jumped on by other people, we all come to that post. We all come to their defense. If we're in an outdoor preaching environment and someone wants to gang up on one of our people, we all come to that place. First for security and also to let people know no one here is speaking on their own behalf. No one here is giving you their personal opinion. We are giving to you the scriptures. So if you have a problem with one of us, you got a problem with all of us. And so we, 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 we bowed it, bowed it. Amen. And that, that comes from the Lord. And that's not to be in any kind of way like a gang in a violent way, but it's supposed to be a way of honor and integrity. Now, I know 
Sometimes churches defend their pastors even when they're in sin and things like that. That's nonsense. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when we are suffering or being persecuted for what we believe. You're not just messing with me. When Pastor Joe gets up and says X, Y, and Z and someone mocks me, they're not just mocking me. They're mocking the whole congregation that stands behind what I am saying. I represent the congregation of the Lord's people at that location. I am not a one-man show believing these kinds of things. Now, there may be things that I believe individually, and uh, people in our church may believe individually. Of course, there's room for gray areas or disagreements and so forth and so on within the, the, the broad boundaries of our church or the Christian faith. But we need to stand together on the fundamentals. And, that's, and by the way, that's not just in our church. That's for all SUM students. That's for all cohorts. That's for all Christians. Uh, when we see our, our Christian brothers and sisters being persecuted or being called out on social media, we should have their back, especially if they're standing for righteousness. You know, it's one thing if they're getting called out because they're not talking about sin, so forth and so on, trying to be a friend of the world. But I'm talking like Franklin Graham getting called out being basically labeled as a racist because he didn't like uh, people shaking their hiney during the Super Bowl. I can guarantee you Franklin Graham, who's probably been to more nations than you've been to restaurants, I mean, I can almost guarantee you that this man is not racist, okay? But, but that was a, a thing that people wanted to jump on because Franklin Graham said, well, we should be disgusted by this past Super Bowl performance. And then even some Christians were like, he doesn't understand my Latino culture. Listen to me. If Shakira and J-Lo are your Latino culture, then Miley Cyrus and Billie Eilish is my culture. <laughs> Honor her. Honor, honor Madonna and and uh, and Miley Cyrus. If I have to on, if I if I just have to honor J Lo and Shakira now because she's like these women are Latino. Well, you better be be honoring Miley Cyrus twerking and being all nasty then, because let's just be honest. That has no more to do with our culture than uh, you know than any other silly thing than a you know than something that you could think of that has nothing to do with our culture. But I can't think of. Uh, Miley Cyrus has about as much to do with American culture as, I can't fill in the blank, my mind has gone blank, somebody chat up something there. Miley Cyrus has about as much to do with American culture, oh here, here we go, as, as, uh, as spaceships. No, because we've been to space. <laughs> I'm getting caught in my rabbit trail here. It's just nonsense. Okay, moving right along. We suffer together, we're honored together. I was gonna say something like, like Miley Cyrus has about as much to do as my, my culture as uh, the piano that the, the animal plays in SpongeBob SquarePants or something, you know? What's the animal that plays a piano? Isn't there a little thing, a creature that plays a piano in SpongeBob SquarePants? Is what? It plankton? Yeah, Plankton, and he plays a piano, correct? Yes, he plays a piano, plankton. Oh. Okay, let's just rewind this. He plays the clarinet. Oh, he plays the clarinet. The clarinet. Okay, cool. Let's just cut this out. Let's go right here. Boom. Miley Cyrus has about as much to do with American culture as the little plankton on SpongeBob SquarePants playing the clarinet has to do with my culture. It's all nonsense. <laughs> it's not a clarinet. What is it? What is the instrument he plays? Squidward plays the clarinet, not like this, sorry. Okay, you guys <laughs> messed me up. Anyways, let's go on lastly to, uh, before we conclude this introduction. Philippians 2.25. We honor each other in a co-worker sense, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you in his distress because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill. He almost died. He had the COVID, right? But he was still trying to work hard for Jesus. But God had mercy on him, and not only on, on uh, him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Notice people have lived for Jesus in troubling times of illness, persecution, separation. And there can be feelings of anxiety and fear. Paul is saying, I understand that, but I'm going to get him back to you. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor 
people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ, he risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So here we see co-workers being honored because they're, being, uh, they're making sacrifices in life. And so we don't have to say that all honor is the same. I may honor my child in a different way. I honor a fireman or a policeman or a policewoman. Uh, you may honor me differently than you honor the homeless person that you meet on the street. But honor should be given to all. There is a level of honor that's appropriate for every situation. Uh, let me give you an example. If I was ministering to the homeless, I would honor them by treating them as a person. I would say, how are you doing today? What can we do to help you? How can we uh, help you get off the streets? Or if I'm doing a feeding outreach, how, you know, would you like this or would you like this? I'm not just going to throw them out something, take it or leave it. I'm going to honor them. If they have a question, I'm going to stop and listen to them. Uh, I'm going to honor the president probably a little bit in a different way. And this not showing favoritism, but just in a different uh, expression of honor. I think you guys are tracking with me there. If I meet the president, I'm probably going to talk less, listen more. I'm going to, you know, call him Mr. President. I'm going to stand when he stands and sit after he leaves or stand if he comes into the room. You know, so we're not saying that the expression of honor is going to be the same in every, every circumstance. But we are saying in every circumstance, you should have an expression of honor. Does everybody get that? Because I like giving out one-liners. Here's, here's the three one-liners I've already given you today. You can't receive from those you don't honor. That's a life lesson. You got to live by that. Number two, those who honor the most will be honored the most. Okay? That's beautiful. You got to remember that. And then number three, the expression of honor is not always the same, but you honor in every situation. Maybe say it a little bit differently. In every situation, the expression of honor will be different. But nonetheless, you are to honor in every situation. Probably say that even better if I thought about it. Somebody chat it out. We may, oh, here we go. We may not have the exp same expression of honor in every situation, but in every situation we honor. Someone write that down so I don't forget it. Yeah, Juan Riasco said, in every circumstance you should have an expression of honor. Yeah, but I want to contrast it. The honor is not the same. So if someone can write down what I had just shared there, we may not express our honor the same way in every situation, but we will express honor in every situation. Something like that. Somebody like Lauren put that up for me, please, because I want to come back to that. So if you have questions on these scriptures, post them up and I'll try to address them later. I'm not uh, trying to get exegetical into every one of these passages. I just wanted to show you from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from housewives to church to governors to co-workers, and everybody in between deserves honor. Now for the next few moments that we have together, thank you for posting that up, let's talk about five ways to honor others. Five ways that we now can express honor and let God lead us in the multiplicity of ways it's going to come out, but this is going to be our foundation of, I will always express honor in these ways, these will be my foundations, uh, rather, I will always express honor because of these, uh, these scriptures. This will be my foundation for honor. And then the, the way it looks may be different. Okay? Now, uh, the Bible says, love others as God has loved them. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, that we ought to lay down our lives for others as Jesus laid down his life for us. And then in 1 Corinthians, that was 1 John 3, 16. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, we're given the whole description of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. And that that is our um, foundation for where honor will come from. So maybe the better way I, have this, I should have this titled on my notes is five, uh, five foundational ways to honor others. Because it's still going to look a little different in how I, how I love. Because how does the police officer honor the criminal as they're arresting them? Well, they have rights. Doesn't the criminal have rights? They don't violate their rights. They honor them as a citizen or as a human being. And they don't uh, you know, become unnecessarily harsh or violent with them. They make sure that they're protected uh, from a situation where maybe someone wants to have vigilante justice. 
So you, you get my point there that there's going to be different expressions, but that police officer nonetheless has to love that criminal. Like Jesus said, even love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you, he said. Number two, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's Matthew 7, 12, the golden rule. And then in Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 15, it kind of summarizes this whole thought of loving each other and then doing unto each other as uh, you would want done unto you. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love for the entire law. Come on, chat the entire law. The entire law, thank you, is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So there you see uh, the basis for those kinds of things I was sharing with you before. You can't receive from who you're not honoring. Because if you're biting and fighting against them, you're only going to reap destruction in a closed door towards them. And those who honor the most are going to be, be honored the most because as you're sowing that honor, you're going to reap it. But if you're always dishonoring, guess what? You're going to be dishonored the most. That's why mess always follows messy people. Do you notice that? Even in the church, the, it's, it's always the same people involved in the same you know, situation. As uh, the country folks used to say, different poop, uh, but this, uh, excuse me, same poop, but different flies. That's what country folk would say. Same poop, but different flies. Come on, can I get an amen from anybody here that's had to deal with different flies around the same poop? It just, it just is what it is. Flies are attracted to poop. They're attracted to it for their own reasons. And people who are messy people are always attracted to messy people. Anytime someone leaves our church or is disgruntled, I can always see them being drawn into a group that had already left our church, you know, and they, and they just attract each other. Birds of light feathers flock together. It's, it's always going to be that way. And so you don't want to reap that kind of mess because that's not going to be good for you as a leader. So anytime a leader, um, uh, you know, leaves a place in a mess or creates a mess in dishonor and then tries to start a ministry where people honor them, good luck with that. That's not going to be very effective over time because what's going to happen the first time someone dishonors them? They're not going to say, don't do that to me. And they're going to say, well, that's what you, what you did over there. That's exactly what you did over there. And I followed you over here. And now I'm upset with you. I'm going to do to, to you what you did to them. And so the way I like to look at it, here's, here's another one-liner. Write this down. Uh, I got this from Chancellor. This is good from Brother George. Do you want 50 more people like how you have been with your leader? Now listen. Do you want 50 people serving in your ministry as you have served in the ministry you've been under? So just think about the relationship you have with the school Think about the relationship you have with us as a cohort, me as a pastor, and the other elders and leaders in the church. Do you want the same kind of relationship that you have with us, have with the school, do you want that in your ministry times 50, times 100, times 300? Do you want 300 of you right now in that ministry? And of course, if you're not doing it right, you don't want that. That's why it's always uh, mind-boggling to me when people dishonor the church, dishonor others, and then start ministries or do things out of that spirit of dishonor, and they're expecting to reap something different. The Bible says God will not be mocked. A man reaps what they sow. You cannot expect to receive anything different than what you've been to the others around you. Now, we'll talk about, uh, as we move on, what, what if there's a good time? When is there? Is there a good time to leave people? And if there is, what is the parameters for that? We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, number three out of the five ways to honor people. Number one, love them as God loves them. Number two, do unto them as you want done unto you. And now number three, only say about others when you're not around them what you would say if you were around them. So you cannot be an honorable person if you change your talk, your speech, and you could probably even put in here your actions towards people when you're not around them 
Because when you're around them, you don't act right. Let me say it like this. If you are a hypocrite, if you change who you are based on who you're with, you are not an honorable person. I should have no surprise about what you say about me to your spouse, your loved ones, to your friends, to your life group. I should have no surprise about that because you have already shared it with me. You've already shared it with me. You've already shared with me what you think about me or agree or disagree with me about. Now, that doesn't mean you have to, I mean, literally tell every single thing you disagree with to somebody. But if you're giving the impression that you agree, let's just start there. If you're giving the impression you agree, say, with the Bible school, and then all of a sudden you leave and then you tell everybody how much you hate it, do you understand that was ridiculous? That's foolish? Because wh why not tell us now? And that's generally, and I know I got Lauren here as well, that's generally the way people even leave the Bible college or the church or even relationships for that matter. They leave them very cowardly. In other words, all of a sudden they just take off and they hop out the window. No, I'm kidding. I'm just getting a little, uh, little hot up here. Uh, they, they take off and then they express all of these things to other people that they never expressed to the people they were with, okay? And we don't want to do that. We want to be honorable. And I get convicted of this sometimes because I'll be watching a, a service by one of my friends and then I'll feel a certain way and then maybe I'll share it with somebody else and I'll be like, oh, I shouldn't have did that. Lord, forgive me. And then I'll hurry up and write them and go, hey, man, I was listening to you preach this X, Y, and Z. And then if they don't want to address it with me, that's okay. We'll, we'll talk about how to handle situations like that in just a minute because there, there'll be conflict and there's times to walk away, trust me. But make sure that you always have a clear conscience towards how you've talked about people. So I, I don't want there to ever be secrets about core things you believe about us as a church or the Bible college that you're sharing with others that you're not sharing with us. Can I get a Holy Ghost hallelujah on that? Come on, hallelujah. Just, just don't do that. Share whatever you disagree with to us. Now, do I think it's wise at times to go get counsel before you share that? Of course, you don't have to walk around uh, saying everything that comes to your mind. There's a filtering process through your spouse, your loved ones, through people you trust. But you know what I'm talking about. It, it crosses the line from I'm seeking wisdom on how to deal with it, because it could be me, to I'm just going to tell everybody my side, what I think, and not address it to the actual people. Well, of course, the Bible has something to say about that. The Bible calls that, for the most part, gossip. And the Bible says gossip is a sin. Proverbs 16, 27 says, A scoundrel plots evil. A scoundrel plots evil, and on their lips it is like a scorching fire, and then look at verse 28 right after that. A perverse person stirs up conflicts and a gossip separates close friends. I have seen this happen all the time. Someone that we're close to in the church or the Bible college will get separated from us because someone else gossiped to them their problems. That is not honor of any kind. Now notice right now, this is a Bible college chapel, right? So most of my examples are going to be in the church context. But as I've always said before, whatever you learn in the church, you can apply to your job, your marriage, you know, your family. But our time is limited, and this is obviously a chapel, so let me keep it focused on ministry. When people in ministry do this, they're doing it out of their own insecurity and jealousy. They cannot separate in their relationship without having others affirm them in their sin. Let me say it like this. Dishonor always needs other dishonorable people to affirm them. Dishonor is a lonely sin that hates being alone. Dishonor loves to gather other dishonorable people to affirm their dishonor. Instead of coming in an honorable way, discussing issues, people will go around you when you are in the ministry. And I'm just telling you this because no matter how cool you think you are, how great you're going to be as a leader, it happens to everybody. Let, let me just use myself as an example. I, at one time thought I would be exactly like you, the lover of every church member, because I'm going to hang out with them. I'm going to be open and honest. I won't keep any secrets. I'll always be here to talk, etc., etc. And how has that worked out for me? Have I gotten away from being dishonored? Of course not. If they dishonor Jesus, they'll dishonor you. If they dishonor 
the Father and the Spirit and grieve the Spirit. They'll, they'll dishonor you. And what you'll notice at those times is that they try to take people with them. And then Proverbs 27, 5 through 6, Proverbs 27, 5 through 6, another cluster of verses here, says, Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Oftentimes, these kind of dishonorable people will just kiss on you when they're with you. And then when they leave you, they'll put a knife in your back. And those kinds of people are dishonorable people. I would rather be openly rebuked. And this is a part of our church culture, by the way. Let's say I was in a meeting with you and it didn't go well. Don't just leave the church and be like, well, everybody's going to take Joe's side. No, they're not. Come rebuke me in front of the elders. Do it the way the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, don't receive an accusation against an elder without the witnesses and so forth. But please don't, don't do us the disservice of not rebuking me. Maybe I got a good rebuke coming. <laughs> Come on, how many of you would like to have that badge of honor? I rebuked Pastor Joe. Yes, I did. There I am. I rebuked him. Now, don't, don't, don't leave just because uh, you and I didn't get along and you think everybody's going to agree with me. No, they're not. Think about how many people you have to throw under the bus to dishonor a church like that. Well, no one will listen. No. Well, have you tried? Have you gone through the process, which is coming right up after this? Uh, uh, these next two ones are going to help you on this, but I don't want to get too far ahead. But did you go through the process? No, you just quit. So, so the last thing you, you, you were known for doing was kissing and kissing how much you love the church, how much you love the school. Now you're out and you're just, uh, uh, you know, spreading your gossip around, trying to get others to follow you. Instead of honorably being honorable, remember treating others the way you want to be treated and saying, well, if I was a leader of a church and I was wrong and that person I wronged was a good person, I would want them to come tell me. And if I was so hard-headed I couldn't hear it, I would want my elders around me to hear it so that maybe it gets through this thick head of mine that I can, I can hear it because I don't want to be destroyed. I don't want to have a false ministry or a lack of self-awareness. Nothing's worse than ministers who have a lack of self-awareness. Come on, can I get an amen for that? Uh, you would want the help, wouldn't you? I mean, put yourself in the position of that leader. You would want the help. You would want to think that somebody actually would care that enough, uh, enough about you because that goes to the love thing. So those who walk away in dishonor and create dishonor really don't love, right? Let's be honest, they don't love. And they're not doing unto others as they would want to be done. And they're not speaking. They're not speaking in such a way that they would speak that way in front of that person. They really don't have something to rebuke over. There really isn't a holy, uh, you know, a holy justification and indignation of a sin that needs to be addressed. You know, like uh, Martin Luther, I, I, you know, I can't hold it in. I have to speak out towards the Roman Catholic Church type of thing. Now, let me combine these next two together. Five ways to honor others. Number one, love them as God loves them. Do unto others as you want done unto you. Only talk and say, uh, to people what, uh, when they're not around, what you could say when they are around. Number four, think the best about others until they give you a reason to judge their character or actions as wrong. And then number five, only walk away from relationships that can't be resolved with biblical problem-solving techniques. Now, the Bible says we are to make judgments about each other's character, not judgments on whether or not somebody has been saved by a confession, like judging the confession. No, we're supposed to judge the fruit, as John 15 says also in the Beatitudes. It says you'll know these false prophets by their fruit. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, hey, I hear in chapter 1 that there's all these fights going on over here. But then in 2 Corinthians, after it's resolved, he said, that's what I hoped you would do is hear my rebuke and then resolve it. And so it's best to think the best about others until you have a reason to give a rebuke, a correction. And then when you give that rebuke or correction, going into number five here, hope that they will want to listen to you. What does Matthew 18, 15 and onward say? If your brother sins against you, come on somebody, if 
your brother or sister sins against you. Go and point out their fault. This is a command. This is not just quit and walk away. This is a command to go to them. Point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But they have not. if they have not listened, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Does anybody have the right to skip over those steps and start treating you like a pagan or a tax collector because you sinned against them? No. No one has the right to break fellowship with you. We're talking Christian context here, right? No one has the right to break fellowship with you unless they've gone through these steps. You don't have the right to break fellowship biblically. I mean, you have the freedom to do so. Just like God gave us the freedom to destroy the whole planet and bring a curse upon our earth like the COVID, sickness and disease. God gave us the ability to do that. We chose We chose foolishly, right? Uh, so you have the freedom just to say, these boots were made for walking and that's just what they'll do. And one of these days, these boots will walk all over you. You know, you have the choice to just roll out. Yeah, but I'm talking biblically. You can't look yourself in the mirror and call yourself a disciple of Christ if you have broken relationship and dishonored people by not giving them the, the benefit of the doubt and working through the problem-solving techniques of the Bible. So let's put it on the other end. Let's say someone is listening to me, because I know it ain't y'all right here, but let's say somebody is listening where they go to a church where the pastor dishonors them. And, and, and maybe someone else is dishonoring you in our church. I don't know about it yet, but you better let us know before this chapel's over, okay? But let's say you're going to a church and maybe somebody's dishonoring you like they did out here in Indiana. The pastor uh, started, uh, he's a married man, middle-aged man, started you know, having a relationships with a 16-year-old girl, okay? At that moment, that 16-year-old girl has the right to call a Matthew 18 meeting on her pastor and to say, this is what my pastor did. I was at a, in a tough time in my life. He, and this is based on pretty much the story. I was at a tough time in my life. I was being counseled and being young and naive as he started to come on to me. I felt that maybe that was a way of dealing with my problems. And so we had relationships together and now I realize I was taken advantage of. This is actually against the Bible. I know it is wrong, and I want him to stand an account for what he's done. She has every right to do that. And how many know that then the elders need to take that serious? And what happened in that situation? Elders called the police, man's in jail, kicked out of the church. Now, let's say you went to that church. Should you stop going to that church now? No. Why would God want you to leave that church? Were you there just for the senior pastor on Sunday mornings? No, you should have been called there to be a part of the congregation of the saints. When this pastor went sideways, your elders, if you were part of that church, your elders did their job, arrested the man, had him kicked out, and they have put a good pastor in place. Now, if you want to go find another church because that has tainted the way you look at the church, what are you going to do when you go to that other church and some other situation happens? What I have a problem with, and if you've seen me correct the other churches in our city, is that when the elders cover up the pastor and then the people now have to go to the news or to uh, other agencies to say this has been brought up to the elders. There are financial mismanagement. We have it documented and the elders are covering up. That's when I say leave the church or all the elders have to be fired. Now let's put this together in summary for <laughs> Let's put this together. I just went all extreme. Oh man. The Bible talks about honor and that we should honor each other, okay? And honor, according to the Bible, is that which you value and respect. The way we do this from the foundations of Scripture come from loving each other as God loves us, by doing unto others as we would want done unto us, by not saying things about people behind their back that we wouldn't say to them in person. 
thinking the best about others until we make or until we have the proper evidence to make a judgment about their character or actions. And then lastly, only separating from relationships where we have followed the problem-solving techniques of the Bible and now we can wash our hands of it. So what does life look like for you? Where are you at right now as students? What's going on in your ministries? Do you feel honored at this church? Do you feel honored at the Bible College? We do give you an opportunity to share your heart with us, please. If you feel in any way dishonored in our cohort at our church, or even those of you who are not in our church but are a part of our cohort finishing your program, please let us know. We do not want you to feel dishonored in any way. If you feel dishonored in any way by the Bible College, by a professor, please let us know. No one in the name of God has the right to dishonor you. You have the right to be honored as a student. You have the right to be honored as a Christian in a church, to have your privacy, to have your uh, you know, life and family to be valued and respected. So just starting there, are you being honored and respected in this ministry, in this Bible college? Uh, number two, are you honoring this church and this Bible college? Are you honoring the leaders that God has given you here? Are you listening to them? Are you treating them as you would want to be treated if you were the professor, if you were the cohort advisor, if you were the pastor, the elder? Are you honoring? So are you in the cycle of honor? Moving on, are you today in life, in general, everywhere you go from the church to your house to the job, are you able to honor people enough with what you believe about them or think about them or feel about them to express it to them and not behind their back? If what you believe is not necessarily that important to express to them, then it's certainly not important to express to others. So you don't have to say everything you think. Come on, that's what Joyce Meyer teaches, things like that. You don't have to say everything you think. So yeah, sometimes you may think this way, I think that way. But if you're not willing to express with others, don't express, uh, express it to them, don't express it to others. So look at how you're, you're talking about people. Do you walk around with a sense of holy fear, the fear of God, when you start to talk about people, especially in, in things of disagreement? Many of you have been around my life for a while, and you know a lot of my past history, you know where I've been and where I've worked. If you've ever heard me dishonor or disrespect them, please, uh, come to me and let me know because there is not uh, any intention in my heart to dishonor any church I've ever worked at or any uh, organization that we're partnered with. There are times that I express disagreement with them. And that's part of what life's about is agreeing uh, and disagreeing on things of the scripture and sharpening each other's iron. So do not think to yourself, and I want to say this, maybe I should take a little bit of a rabbit trail here before we close out, because sometimes people think those like us, who are very opinionated in the scripture, which we don't believe it's opinions, we believe it's the truth, but then again, that makes us very opinionated to others, right? Uh, people think our disagreements mean dishonor, and that is not true. Among us, let me just say this to you here, and especially to the wider body, for us, Disagreement is a sign of honor, and it's actually like being in the 300 and sparring with each other. A perfect example, I had got done preaching in Louisiana, and a special guest showed up, a man that I honor greatly, Dr. Ophelia. He's memorized the entire New Testament, translated it as well from Greek, and he has a, a New Testament commentary, a scholar and a gentleman. He came to hear me preach. What an amazing honor. He's in his 80s now, and he just honored us and came. He, uh, uh, my wife and I had him pray for us, lay hands on our children. It was, it was powerful. So we get back to the crawfish boil. Of course, that's always fun to say when you're telling a story in Louisiana. We get back to the crawfish boil, and what does he do? Almost with a tear down my eye, what does he do? He unsheaths his sword, and he says, Let's talk about this thing you and I disagree about. It was an honor for the next 15 minutes. 
uh, to be challenged in such a way. I mean, I'm telling you, teary-eyed right now. He, 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 he saw it himself as an honor with a young man. I mean, because even among his peers, not many have the conversations that, that him and I would, would equally enjoy. And, uh, you know, he pulled out his sword. And here you could see the older and the younger, you know, uh, you know, sparring with each other out of nothing but love and respect. Out of nothing but love and respect. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, uh, he goes, I'm not convinced. I'm going to keep believing what I believe. And I go, okay, <laughs> well, I'm not convinced of what you said, you know, but what an honor, what a joy. Um, some of my friends, I write to them when I have disagreement. I don't put it on their page. You know, my friends that are pastors, I don't mean it to embarrass them. I, I, I put it on their page. It's a friend going, hey, you said this in your sermon or you did this. I just don't agree with it, man. Come on and explain yourself. Let's talk it through. And, and these are guys I'm talking about. I've seen them in their, their Grundy undies. I'm talking, I've been on road trips with these guys sleeping in the van. I'm talking, you got relationship with them. And yet what I've realized is so many people, they don't want to do that. And, they, and, then, and then in their world, and their culture, and their church culture, that's dishonor. Uh, like I heard one man quote his pastor, and when he quoted him, it's almost like that was supposed to close down the conversation, you know? Like the holy angel of heaven has just come down. Oh, 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 oh. My pastor said he'll never talk negative about anybody. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Well, your pastor obviously isn't Paul. Because Paul talked negative about people all the time. He named out their names. Paul talked to his own congregation in the Corinthian church. I've heard from so-and-so that you, you know, from Chloe's house over here, you guys are having fights and arguments and you need to get it right. In another one of his letters, he said, I hear that two of these ladies, you guys are fighting in the home Bible study, you know. Uh, Paul says here, yeah, I've heard from Chloe's household that there's quarrels among you. Well, uh, I guess your, your leader doesn't follow our leader, Paul. And so in closing, we're not supposed to walk around trying to be speck inspectors. Um, you know, we're not supposed to be that critical of each other. But we are supposed to welcome, in an honorable way, disagreement, a, a conflict. Conflict is not bad. A lot of relational experts will say when you stop arguing and fighting, it means you gave, you've given up. At least if you're fighting and arguing, you're still passionate about something that you're trying to convince the other of. And the Bible has a whole entire section devoted to how to problem solve. So if we don't do it, we're really not being who God called us to be. So I hope that, that you and I can look at our lives, see that we're being honored, we're honoring, we're watching the way we talk about people. The next thing, look at your life and say, do I give people the benefit of the doubt till I have, until I have reasons to really make a judgment on this? And lastly, if I'm walking away from a relationship, which there are times to give people the gift of goodbye. It's a great gift to give people. Sometimes you just got to say goodbye. Have I done everything I can for the relationship? Trust me, as a pastor, there are some people I want to send out on a catapult. But I'm still there going... Okay, let's have the next meeting. Let's go for it. And they're still refusing. And trust me, I'm done too. I'm like, in my, in my flesh, I'm done. I, I feel like they've caused so many problems. There's no reason to have more conversations. But my flesh isn't king. Jesus is king. So during those times, I'm like, well, the Bible says we owe them another meeting. Call forth more elders. And all of our elders are, you know, working in non-ministry jobs. So call up the police officer elder, call up, you know, the nurse elder, call up the plumber elder, got to get him on a call, got to get him in a meeting. Let's settle it. And then, you know, you don't see people wanting to do that. Dishonor, being dishonorable. So the way we honor others really shows how much we honor God because we are all made in his image. Let's pray. Father, help us to honor others as you have honored us. May we learn from the mistakes of others what not to do and from the example of others on what to do. Lord, may we be the kind of people that open up the doors of others' gifts through the honors, through the honor we give them. And Lord, may we honor much so that we might be honored much. And, and oh Lord, keep us from the messes that come in and out of the ministry as a normal occurrence. God, help us 
not to be like the flies, but to clean up the mess. And then lastly, Lord, may we uh, on this, in this earth, on this, uh, in this generation, on this subject, be such great leaders that in our secular jobs or in our families who are non-Christians, that they truly see your light in us because they see we're different and how we honor and how we treat others, even in times of conflict, oh Lord. May we be um, those kinds of people that they say, that's an honorable man. That's an honorable woman right there. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to head to the Zoom with the students. God bless you. Uh, those who watch today and have a wonderful day. Honor each other.